Hello, welcome to CityWire Funds Fanatic. My name is Gavin Lumsden and today I'm speaking to Alex Okinado, Fund Manager of Gore Street Energy Storage, a £560 million investment trust that was the first of a new breed of renewable infrastructure funds to list on the London Stock Exchange five years ago. Hello, Alex. Thanks for coming into the studio. Oh, thanks for having me. Now, I know its name gives us a clue as to what it does, but yep. for those who don't know the company, could you describe what it does and how it contributes to the energy transition? Yeah, we're investors in uh, large-scale utility energy storage systems. Um, these systems basically balance the grid, right? Without uh, stability on the grid, you can't keep adding more and more renewables to it. Uh, can't keep um, getting rid of our baseload power, coal and gas and, and nuclear. So our energy systems, these big battery facilities, they balance the grid to make sure the energy can flow safely and securely. Okay, great. And before we get into uh, more detail about the fund, it's, it's very interesting and it's a very interesting time for uh, for the investment. But, so, you know, bigger picture and, and, and looking to the news, what's your view of the COP28 summit that's just been uh, held in Abu Dhabi? So it's all still it's still ongoing as we're, as we're having this conversation. Um, it seems to me it's going very, very well for UAE and Saudi Arabia and Russia. It wasn't a great idea maybe to hold a, that kind of summit in an OPEC country, was it? There's lots of reports that have kind of watering down the commitment to phasing out fossil fuel. It was disgraceful, right? It was a disgraceful uh, move. And I think, I think what we see in that is the outcome of enormous pressure from petrostates, right? Um, Al Gore, I think I was reading something he wrote today, just talking about what this is the outcome you would expect so far. Now, it's not over, all right? So it's today is Wednesday, all right? So uh, maybe there'll be some good news uh, coming out. But the last draft I saw, not having a phase out of fossil fuels, puts us on a very bad path. And we, you know, the world needs to do something. Do we have a chance of, uh, you know, of limiting uh, climate change to, to, to the 1% level? Uh, I think 1% is going to be hard. 1.5% one half percent. Paris climate target. I think it's very hard. You know, I think it's interesting though, right? Before COVID, I would have said our transition is a hard transition, right? Trying to get rid of fossil fuels from a you know, very sophisticatedly advanced economy is very hard. But then the world did something quite extraordinary through COVID, right? We all went back to our basements, right? Science solved COVID with vaccines in a very, very fast time. So we're able to do hard things and we should be able to do this hard thing. We should be able to get rid of fossil fuels, um, but we need the political will and we need not to um, allow vested interests to override you know, our welfare. I think uh, I couldn't agree with you more, and I'm sure lots of the listeners will think the same. So let's turn the attention a bit more, though, on onto what you do at at, at, uh, at the fund. You know, what kind of so the batteries you've got are there to to store energy and supply it to the grid because uh, renewables uh, power is is intermittent. It's not so much supply to the grid. It is more think about our batteries being 50% full of electricity, right? So the grid sometimes is off balance. It's off balance because there might be a lot of uh, offshore wind, there might be a, a lacking of offshore wind, uh, they might be burning more coal. Either way, that balance of the grid is important to be able to make sure that the grid functions correctly. So depending on which side the grid is off, our assets will either be consumers or generators, right? So it's that stabilization function that gives the value to our assets. Stabilization, okay. And what kind of batteries do you use? You know, what do they look like? So uh, they look, if you took apart your phone and you looked at your cell, imagine a lot of those, right? So And much bigger. Um, same kind of cell, same cell size, actually. 
and then but stacked, so millions and millions of them. Uh, our latest uh, acquisition, uh, we're building a 400 megawatt hour facility in uh, in Southern California right now. Um, think about that about seven and a half thousand Tesla cars. Wow! And so the whole fund, the whole portfolio of installations you've got is generating capable of generating how much? 1,200 megawatts. So we're probably one of the largest players globally, and quite uniquely actually. Uh, we started our you know our investing activities here in, in Britain. Britain uh, had a very forward-looking approach to energy storage, where the national grid was looking for energy storage to get built to help it solve its problem of the imbalance, right? And island nations have a bigger problem because we don't have these big connectors into mainland Europe, for instance, right? So mainland Europe can balance each grid off each other. Uh, here in, in Britain, it's an island and the connectors are, are, are small. So we started our investing activity here. Uh, we started building assets here. We're probably one of the, the largest players in, in the British market. We moved into the Irish market, another obviously island. So the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland, one grid. Uh, we started investing in there 2019. We moved into Germany uh, at the start of uh, last year. We moved to Texas at the start of last year and then California uh, recently. We're going to talk about your international diversification probably in a bit, but just in terms of what's, what's your appeal? What are you offering investors? So what we have is we have a large diversified asset pool providing a critical service to the energy, to the energy system, and that then provides a long-term cash flow and we're a, a dividend-paying stock. You're primarily an income fund. We are. So aiming to pay a 7% yield. Exactly. Okay. And, uh, and the last financial year up to last March, you paid 7.5p. 7.5p. So uh, we have a, di a progressive dividend policy. As NAV increases, uh, dividend increases. Okay. So um, so income generation is important to what you do. Yeah. Can you just, and you've got 19 lines of diff different revenues, uh, your results show. What's the simplest way to explain or think about how you derive your income? Yeah. I think it's a, it, this is the really interesting uh, part. Energy storage. And I've been an investor in renewables for many years. So because I'm old, I've been investing in renewables since, since I started in 2006. And, you know, large-scale deployment of capital and offshore wind, solar, different forms. And when you own wind or solar, you make electrons, green electrons, and you sell green electrons, right? That's your business model. Uh, energy storage, owning an energy storage facility uh, gives you access to multiple types of way making money, right? So we're very active managers of, uh, of these systems. The way you should think about it is there's three buckets of ways we make money. We make money from grid balancing, which I talked about before. So keeping the grid in balance, our assets are 50% full of electricity, can be a consumer, can be a generator, depending on what the need is. And basically, we rent our assets to the grid operator. In GB, that's the national grid. In Ireland, that's AirGrid, Texas AirGrid, et cetera, et cetera. And they rent it at a price per megawatt, how many megawatts we have, for a certain period of time. That's one, one area of make money. And within that, lots of different different types of contract types. Yeah, exactly. Your results show there's phrases like capacity market, firm frequency response, dynamic containment. Right. Um, do we need to know? What we can get we can get we, we can get pretty geeky on it if you want. But you know, firm uh, firm frequency, uh, dynamic containment. They're all types of contracts in grid balancing. The first bucket. Second bucket is uh, is capacity. So where our assets are contracted by government or utilities to make uh, sure there's a electricity available at times of super high demand. So times super high demand in, in Britain are around now winter between the hours of 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. And so we have long dated contracts up to 15 years where we will uh, say to the government, we will make our asset available if you need it at times of very, very high demand. And they will tell us to fill up with electricity to 
and we'll do, and we'll dispatch that when it's needed. Usually six p.m. to nine p.m. Excellent. So uh, you're, you're, that's clarifying things. What about another term that uh, puzzles me, uh, to be honest, is uh, battery duration. Battery duration. So a battery has two ways of thinking about it. There's how much power you have, so one megawatt, I guess that's one megawatt of power, and how long you can deliver that power for. So a one, one megawatt, one hour system means you have one megawatt of power which can be delivered over one hour. Okay, and there's, there's, a, there's a range of duration in your portfolio, I think uh, from under 30 minutes to one hour and two hours. Yep. Is uh, that the kind of industry sort of spectrum? So it comes down to a financial decision, right? So. Uh, we're making large investment decision to build these systems. We need to understand that the economic uh, opportunity for us supports all of the capital expenditure. It costs you more money to build longer duration. So therefore, the economics need to be there for the longer duration. Uh, in GB, uh, we think it's about a one-hour duration optimizes for the amount to, for the revenue opportunity. In California, it's actually larger, so two to four hours, and that's what we have in California. So two-hour, because it isn't necessarily best. It's more expensive to build, but, but you get more revenue opportunities. Revenue yeah, and that, the, the, more, the more expensive to, it is to build needs to be matched up against the revenue opportunity. So for instance, in GB, to date, it hasn't really been worthwhile owning a system more than one hour. That's our, that's our viewpoint. Uh, we own a 90 minute system in, uh, in Germany, two hours in Texas. We can divide up to four hours in, in California, but that's because there's different economic incentives and revenue available for us in those markets. So you decided to be quite an international portfolio from quite early on, from, from the very beginning, or was it something that's emerged? No, uh, I, I think we put our first, so we listed uh, in May 2018, we were the first energy storage fund uh, to list uh, then. Uh, we always had as part of our policy uh, an international diversification. Um, we're operating with energy storage with a worldwide supply chain. Right, so the same manufacturers of quality who provide uh, services and assets for us in Britain are the same ones in Texas or California or Germany or Ireland. So that's a you know a, a well understood and de-risked approach to actually deploying money in different markets. We're also doing more or less the same thing. The investment thesis is the same. Uh, we know that our uh, energy systems are being decarbonized rapidly. So there's a rise of solar and wind. The rise of solar and wind means you need more energy storage. And that's happening in California as well as Britain. So for us, it made absolute sense. Then you're dealing with the same supply chain, so the same players. You're investing against the same investment thesis to have a diversified revenue. Because the revenue we make in California is uncorrelated to the revenue we make in Ireland, that we make in England, that we make in Germany. Right. Okay. And in the UK, which is uh, still one of your biggest um, uh, yep. markets, notwithstanding your international sort of focus, um, but revenues have fallen, you know, and I say 60% from their 2022 highs. Yep. So that's been hitting your share price, your rival share prices, big cloud over the sector. But um, you know, why has that happened? Why is the, I see the, the market is described, you've described the market as becoming saturated. Yeah. You know, we were wrong in 21 and 22 on the upside, right? We didn't think we would be making as much money in, uh, in Britain as we were. Uh, so we thought, and the reason we were wrong was assets didn't get built at this pace we thought they were going to get built. We benefited very heavily from being the incumbent. Uh, revenues come off very significantly in 23 in the GB market. Um, and I say GB because England, Scotland, and Wales, that, and then Northern Ireland, so the Republic. Energy or, prices spiked after the, the war in Ukraine, the, the Eurasian Ukraine. Uh, yeah, we're not really correlated to energy prices. We're more correlated to volatility. Right, and we're correlated in GB to how many assets are on the grid, how many more energy storage assets are on the grid. So in 2023, as we actually had seen, and you know, kind of in keeping with our 
our, our trend and what we had forecast in our nav, we saw prices coming down in 2023. Uh, that was to be expected. Uh, we saw that. And uh, overall, when we look at our overall portfolio, our portfolio is performing to spec, uh, really supported by very strong revenues we're seeing out of Northern Ireland and Texas, for instance. Okay. Will, and we'll turn to those um, very soon. Yep. So, yeah, will revenues in the UK recover? What's the, what's the forecast? So I think long term, what we see is a strong opportunity for energy storage. Uh, revenues now are, I think, we will, I think they'll remain at these levels. That's where we, we, we see the, the GB market. Uh, there's still a very significant uh, build out of solar and offshore wind, especially, and that supports continued growth for energy storage. The, the, the problem of more and more intermittent power, which is obviously needed to solve our environmental crisis and a, the cheapest form of electricity, is solved, though, by building more and more storage. So uh, we're assuming that things will remain flat in, in the GB market. So it's a growing market, but the actual revenue will be say flat. We'll say flat. But we also see, you know, against that, we see CapEx falling quite heavily, right? So it's really interesting. You know, energy storage is typical renewables, right? So it's all about CapEx to a large extent. One needs to minimize CapEx uh, because your cost of running the system is actually quite a low percentage of, of revenue. Right? So then minimizing CapEx protects your investment return. Um, we saw CapEx go up pretty heavily in 21, 22, alongside the inflationary environment we saw globally. Uh, what we see now is battery prices are falling pretty rapidly. Um, energy storage is about 5% of the world's um, battery need. The rest is EV. And so uh, recently, China removed a big domestic legislation supporting EV that freed up a whole lot of cells. So we see prices coming down. So as prices go down and revenues remain flat, obviously margin increases. So, you know, we see very positive things in the GB market. Probably won't return to the, to, to the days of 21, 22. We didn't, we didn't uh, forecast that and that's not in our numbers. But still an attractive market and you're still building. You're building lots. There's a lot of construction going on in your portfolio in the UK and uh, yeah. elsewhere. We have about seven, 400 megawatts, uh, circa 400 megawatts in operation right now throughout our portfolio. Um, 20, end of 2024, so not that far away now, right? 11 months, uh, we should be about 820 uh, megawatts. You're looking so, to double the capacity. Yeah, and that's assets already in construction, people with hard hats, uh, equipment ordered. Uh, so we have construction taking place in, uh, in the Republic of Ireland, in GB, uh, in uh, California. And we'll be announcing things in Texas very soon. And there's, there more, and there's more to come if, as you go into 2025? 25, we have a, a big project here, Middleton, uh, 200 megawatts, could be a two-hour duration system, because it'll be one of our biggest duration systems. Uh, that's Where's up, that up, in the, up in the north of England. Um, a critical part given some of the decommissioning plans around nuclear, right? So, you know, uh, correctly located for what the need is uh, in this energy system. Uh, that we don't have a grid connection until 2026, we won't start building that for another year. So there's been a lot of uh, focus on the delays in connecting to the grid. Has that, um, you know, has that affected you? And are, the, are these problems being resolved? So uh, it has affected us, not enormously, but uh, definitely you deal with the grid operator and all these grids, right? So this is not just a, a British thing, right? This is in every grid we're operating in. You have uh, a monopolistic, very powerful entity, the grid operator. And so they will make decisions to what they think is their appropriate agenda. Uh, and we, we understand that. Um, they're under a significant pressure, right? It's not just for energy storage. They're under significant pressure to build out wind, solar, 
data centers, hospitals, housing estates, right? You know, it nearly becomes a political decision about what the grid operator should preference in terms of giving a grid connection. Everybody wants a grid connection. Um, so I think we've been good in terms of putting our hand up, making sure that the grid operators, whether it be air grid in Ireland or national grid here, uh, properly look at our assets to have them switched on. Um, is there anything you'd change in terms of those priorities? Of course, I'd change it to energy storage being the priority and Gore Street to be the priority among that. Um, but, you know, we understand there's a whole range of things that need to get built for our society, right? It, it, that's, that's what it is. What I would like to see, and, you know, the National Grid is making some moves on this uh, as well as our grid. There is people clogging up the system, right, who have taken kind of positions and grid connection dates, but don't seem to be able to build. Well, the guys who aren't able to build need to get out of the way. Right. We have uh, uh, capital to deploy. We have assets to build. Those assets will generate a really good return for our investors, but also provide a really critical part of our energy transition. And so people are not there to fulfill that. We need to be uh, harder in getting rid of them. How many, you know, what proportion of, 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 the, of the queue is made of people who aren't really oh, ready to go? Uh, I, Any idea? I had no idea, to be honest. All I know is that there's huge pressure on the queue and some assets don't seem to be getting built. OK, um, let's... Um start to look outside the, the UK. You, you say you're in five jurisdictions. Just uh, you know, remind me, uh, us, what, what they are. So Britain, England, Scotland, Wales, one grid, one energy system. Ireland, so Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland are, are one energy system. So it, 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 there is one energy system. There's one energy system, right? Um, so yeah, would I get always been the case? <laughs> uh, it has, oh, I think for, for decades, you know. The, the, the physical reality of energy probably kind of overrides the... Uh, complications of politics. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Whereas in the US, you might think that was, uh, you're in two states pr primarily, aren't you? California and Texas. And, and you refer to those as two jurisdictions. And they're separate. Texas especially. Texas is not connected to any other uh, state of the union. And so for us, that it, for them, obviously they're big, right? Texas is huge. California is huge. They're big economies. Uh, but they do have that still, that island nature. Right, because their their connections into the other states of the U.S. are uh, are weak, and so that gives that uh, opportunity for our assets to help stabilize that energy system. So Britain, yeah, so England, Scotland, well, one grid. Uh, Ireland, Republic of Ireland, and uh, and uh, and Northern Ireland, Germany, Germany, right, Germany. What have you got there. Uh, we have a thirty-five megawatt hour system uh, outside Berlin. Uh, we bought an operational system actually from Enel. Uh, it was a good entry point into that market. The operational nature meant we, you know, we didn't take construction risk and we could see the cash flows and we could get to grips with it. And now we can start putting more capital behind that to actually uh, to, to build out assets our, ourselves. Uh, that's been doing very well. You know, it's done very well for very tragic reasons as well, though, right? So we bought that early 2020, um, sorry, early 22. Um, and uh, immediately... We, uh, it was doing very well because of the war in Ukraine, right? So what you had, we were providing critical service, but the, the energy system of Germany became more volatile, right? So the more volatile an energy system is, the more our assets are needed to help. Just looking for an alternative to the Russian the, gas. Well, yes, absolutely. So the system becomes more volatile. So our assets become more critical in providing a service and are therefore, dem and therefore called on more. Okay. Could you do more in Germany? It sounds like it's quite a small piece of the pie at the moment. Small piece of the pie, but no, it's a very, it's a very growing, it's a growing market. Uh, so Eurozone overall is a, is a very important market for us. Um, we have large pipeline there and uh, we're, we're active in that market. Not just Germany, uh, we're, we have in pipeline things in Italy, France, uh, Greece. I just came off a call actually with the Minister of Energy for Greece. 
um, um, as well as Scandinavia. Um, I think a lot of attention, though, has been been on the States. States has been a, a big focus for us for a while. Let's talk about that, because you, you know, you've, you described the uh, the big rock construction project in, in California as being very attractive. Um, and there's also been record generation in Texas uh, recently. So, you know, let's deal with uh, each of those. What is Big Rock? Uh, Big Rock, it's a great American name, right? Uh, I don't know whether we would have named it Big Rock, uh, but Big Rock, uh, 200 megawatts, 400 megawatt hours. All right, it's a two-hour system, big system uh, in Southern California. will be a will be a really important part of the Southern California energy system when it's up and running. Uh, we're scheduled uh, for Q4 next year to have uh, that up. Um, California is a very interesting market, one of the leading um, renewables markets in the world. Right, very forward-thinking policy perspective, uh, very strong consumer support for the green agenda. Uh, excellent resource in terms of solar. Right, so really strong solar resource uh, as well as strong wind resource onshore and they're moving to offshore uh, uh, pretty soon. So very big support fundamentally for energy storage, right, given the, 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 the rise of, of renewable power in that market. And for us, it's an interesting economic market. Uh, we'll have half of our revenues locked up for 15 years so under what's this long-term capacity contract. And so that gives a very strong underpinning to the investment thesis for that asset. So we know exactly how much we're going to be making for 50% of our revenue uh, for 15 years. The other 50% will be more merchant, where we can take more risk with that, providing services, trading electricity, et cetera, uh, but gives a, a really good return profile for us. Um, Has yeah. that been made attractive by the uh, huge uh, contribution being made by the IRA Act, the uh, Inflation Reduction Act? So that's before we even get to the Inflation Reduction Act. Right, so the Inflation Reduction Act then. So the market was always already, and we made our first move into the Texas market before the Inflation Reduction Act was inked. Uh, we could see the direction of travel of the build out of solar and wind. That's providing what, $500 billion or so for, for renewables, is that it's right? The most important uh, climate action uh, piece of legislation I think the world's ever seen, right? Uh, it, it is, America's obviously. In, in so you were tracked to California before there was the offer of 30% uh, yeah. tax write off. We had already invested in Texas before. Right, so uh, we were we we aim to be the the market leader. We we're first mover, first mover into the GB market, first mover into the Irish market, and uh, not in Germany, but you know Germany's been a slow market to start, but now you know we're over there, uh, one of the first movers into Texas and California. So uh, we're at the leading edge of being able to take these positions. Um, the policy uh, support for energy storage uh, in the U.S. is very very strong. Thirty percent of our of our capex back on the day we switch it on. Right, can't get that anywhere else. And you might, you know, I mentioned it's the same supply chain, right? More or less the same prices, right? To build an asset in California as in to build one in Britain. Uh, if I get thirty percent of our capital back on the day we switch on, we should be doing more in California than Britain. It does sound uh, it does sound good from that point of view. Um, looking at Texas and the uh, record generation you got in the, your second quarter of your financial year, um, I wonder, are you benefiting from the extreme weather events? that is being brought on by climate change? I would say it is less we're benefiting in that we are reacting to make the grid stable given those extreme weather events, right? So what is Texas we're not, we're not. It's not so much we're profiteering no. from, yeah. from extreme weather events, but for sure, um, and it's not just Texas, I think. Uh, um, I'll talk about it in the context of Ireland in a second, but Texas this summer had incredibly high temperatures, right? And... You know, they talk about extreme weather, but if it's every summer, 
it's not extreme weather anymore. It's the weather, right? And so the, the characteristics of very high temperature in Texas had two big effects. First, their gas generation infrastructure, which is quite old, couldn't cope with the high temperatures, so dropped. So they lost generation. They lost baseload power. And people are wanting to cool down. And then people want to cool down. So people are running uh, air conditioning high. So there's high electricity demand and there's less baseload power. So the grid becomes more and more unstable. Our assets were there to, to help that uh, become more and more stable. And for sure, we did very well in that period. Uh, I mean, we did, we had uh, called 30 megawatts in operation. Um, at one point, we would have had to have 900 megawatts in operation in GV for the same revenue. Incredible. Incredible. Um, but sorry, just come back to that though, thinking about weather. Because obviously we're investing against the thesis, which is the energy transition. And that means that we're, we know we need to build more and more uh, renewable power versus coal, gas, and nuclear. But we're also investing on the basis that that is happening because we're in a climate crisis, right? And that we can see that climate crisis. We can see it in Texas with, with high heats. We also saw this summer in, uh, in Ireland uh, very high winds, right? Um, and not gonna, I'm not a climate scientist, so you know I'm not going to delve too much in it. But one of the factors for that could be the high temperatures that were running in the in, in the North Atlantic, right? Causing more storms of Ireland, therefore causing more wind generation, which is great for Ireland's generating more wind generation, but also gives a need for our assets to produce more, right? To be able to help stabilize the grid against that. And so we did very well across the summer in Ireland when usually we do much better in winter because that's when there's more wind, <laughs> right? Uh, and, but so, you know, these things are tied in, right? The climate leading to the transition, leading to actual our financial results. Gotcha. So you're a clean energy fund and therefore you're attractive to investors who, you know, who are motivated by uh, the environment and, and, and doing good. And um, But you use lithium and cobalt and uh, the latter of which is largely sourced from the Democrat, uh, Democratic Republic of Congo. Yep. And uh, your own ESG and sustainability report, you know, shows that you're concerned about mining conditions in the DRC. Um, there's been a recent amnesty report highlighting how, you know, expansion of mining uh, is causing, you know, evictions and human rights abuses. So, yeah, what are, what are you doing about that? So we recently joined the Cobalt Alliance alongside GE, Tesla, Google, a range of other uh, 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 companies. And we're obviously much smaller than those companies. And what that alliance is aiming to do is to improve working conditions in in the Congo. Um, so we've been we've donated capital, donated time, and so that is the the first move that we've done. Really, we we always, as part of our due diligence with our supply chain, look to understand what their policies and procedures are, how they are making their supply chain uh, as safe as possible. Uh, but we also felt it was important for us to actually then be involved. And so we spent a long time and uh, our folks on the ESG side and CSR and a Wang and the like, like spent a lot of time investigating how best a smallish company like ourselves could make that impact. And the Cobalt Alliance, we think, is a good group of people with a good group of stakeholders around it who are trying to make a difference in actual people's lives in the Congo. Yeah, because it's a bit crying shame for a fund and, you know, that's part of the kind of transition to, to clean energy, which is doing good, is then perpetuating that kind of injustice. Yeah, well, and we absolutely, we look to our supply chain. We looked and we work with the tier one. We work with the Mitsubishis and the Siemens, uh, the fluences alike, and understanding how they are sourcing, how they are protecting their supply chain and making it, it better. That's absolutely core part of what we do in terms of uh, diligence of our supply chain and our suppliers. 
But we also thought there had to be something direct. And that's what we did. We worked working with the Cobalt Alliance. Well, I guess at least you and the others are actually looking into this in a way that perhaps the yeah. Japanese wouldn't have done so. For sure. Are. So let's hope uh, that makes a difference. Let's um, you know, go back to the investment case uh, a, a bit more around the fund. You know, the, the share price of, of, of the investment trust is recovering from lows, quite nicely recovering in the past month, actually. Um, but um, And that's the recent lows prompting your fund management company to um, Gore Street Capital to buy uh, another 1.2 million shares. Uh, in in the fund, but um, yeah, it's still running at a, a big discount of twenty seven percent. The shares are twenty seven percent below their underlying net asset value. So, um, do you need? You said earlier that you don't expect UK revenues uh, to increase, but do you think the market is kind of wanting to see some kind of recovery there for your trusts and maybe your rivals to to re rate from these lows? Well, I think we're very different from our rivals. We're, we're, we are an internationally diversified portfolio where our revenues are in keeping with, uh, our overall blended revenues are in keeping what we saw in GB uh, a few years ago. So we're in a different uh, situation than those guys, I think. Look, I think overall our sector, storage, renewables, infrastructure, the listed sector, it's been hit by the interest rate environment, right? So uh, for sure, I think, investors would like to see less volatility in the revenue from energy storage. Now, I firmly believe that Gore Street delivers that because our diversification nature, and I think we just need to get that communication across. But overall, we're operating in an environment where interest rates went high very, very fast. Uh, a public investor can go, I will own a government bond at 5.5%, or Gore Street can deliver me a dividend of 7%. I think a lot of investors chose to said in that environment they'll own something with a lot less risk, which is a government bond. Might be not, maybe not, maybe he still has a chunk of risk, but that's where the decision was. So I think that interest rate environment has been has been difficult for us. Um, from our side, we can't change the interest rate environment. What we can do and what we continue to do is bring our assets on time, on budget, up and optimize our revenue to be best in class. And meanwhile, your debts are actually relatively low, aren't they? You you raised uh, you had a significant share issue early last year, raising 150 million? Yeah, no, we, we did, and we were multiples oversubscribed for that. Um, what I would say- You've got a lot of cash, and you're not paying, uh, you've got huge debts on which to pay interest. We have been very conservative about debt, cons uh, overall. So right now we have, an, it's called an equity balance sheet of kind of 550 million, right? So, you know, whatever our, our NAV is. Uh, and in that we have a CIT facility uh, over in the States. So project finance against Big Rock. And we have a relationship uh, with San Andreas, it's our main relationship bank. And we have a, a, an undrawn facility with them. But we have been at these levels of debt, all right? We have been very appropriately conservative, I think is the way to think about it. Um, there's no need to be a hero with leverage in this environment. Absolutely. I just wonder if you recognize um, the, the figures from uh, from one analyst at uh, J.P. Morgan Casanova recently um, in responding to um, an update you put out, but was saying that um, your run rate revenues in the first nine months of this year were uh, £14.32 per megawatt hour. And anyway, but if you apply, if these were to apply to the entire portfolio that you're building out by the end of next year, they would generate just over 100 million pounds of revenues, and um, your dividend currently costs about 36 million. Do you recognise those figures? Uh, I read the report. Uh, JP and what does that imply for um, you know future payouts of dividends and capital growth? I mean, it implies that we're in a good position, right? So I think what we have done is 
We have 1,200 megawatts in the portfolio. We'll have, be at 820 megawatts in operation by the end of uh, 2024. Uh, we have managed to do that with a very low gearing uh, ratio uh, in an internationally diversified way with uncorrelated revenues. And so, yeah, we expect that we're producing strong cash flows and that we'll continue the growth that we're embarked upon. So if you deliver, uh, it, it's all looking quite good. Um, do you need all your cash for uh, construction? You've got about £80 million. Do you need all of that to, to build out what you need to do? So we're fully committed. So the, the cash we have on hand is against uh, the projects we're building out. We don't pay for our projects until they're fully built, until we like what we see in them. So uh, though, we, though we're running a good cash balance, that will go down over the course of 2024 as our assets come on stream. So no scope for, for buybacks because, as I said, your, your shares are trading at a wide discount and, you know, classic response to that would be to, to, to buy them back. Yeah, and, you know, it's up up in the air whether buybacks have made sense in terms of discounts. It is for sure you can buy back into you get your... a better return, buying back your shares on a 27% discount. Yeah, I think for us that becomes a little bit different though because our assets are not just cookie cutter all in the GB, right? So if we're continuing to add diversification to our portfolio by building out international assets... Yeah, I think it's a very strong arm to say we should spend the money on that diversification rather than, for instance, continue to have more in GB. Okay. Um, would you consider selling an asset to prove the valuation, you know, prove that your net asset value is real, um, and also to uh, return some cash? We're in the business of delivering returns to our investors. If somebody, if we thought there was a good opportunity at the right price to uh, to sell an asset, recycle that capital into a different market, for instance, uh, or, or do something more with that, of course we would do that. We're not, there isn't a, you know, we like our assets, but we're not wed to them, right? These are financial assets for us to be able to generate a return for our investors. If we saw a better return from selling this asset rather than holding for those cash flows, for sure we'd do it. Okay, and you recently passed um, your five years and uh, there was a five-year continuation vote. Yep. And uh, shareholders supported that. Yeah. So you got another five years. Yeah. Uh, what was the vote? Do you remember? I think we were 98%. So pretty good endorsement. Yeah, what, are, excellent. what are investors telling you, though, at the moment? You know, it, 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 there's a lot to do. It, it sounds quite exciting, but the shares are uh, at a low valuation. They're saying keep doing. Keep doing what you're doing, right? Um, I think very, I really believe very strongly, Gore Street's done what it said it was going to do, right? We IPO'd in May 2018. Right, energy storage. No one really wanted to talk about energy storage back in May 2018. Um, and we built out our portfolio in GB. We built it out in Ireland. We went to the German market, the Texas market, the Californian market. Uh, we've delivering excellent revenues, uh, strong cash flow. We have assets in construction. And we have a long track record of bringing assets into construction into operation. So when I look across that vote, the vote is reflective of our uh, investors saying, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, of course, our share price trades up and down. It doesn't trade up and down on that much volume, to be honest, right? So, you know, when I look at our big institutional holders, our big wealth managers, we also have very sticky retail, which, which is excellent, great to see. But, you know, small share price movements, right? You know, from, not that small, to be fair, but, you know, a movement over the last year from a premium to a discount over uh, being listed for five and a half years or nearly the vast majority of that time we were trading at a premium. Right? It's a tough macro environment, but we're working through it, delivering what we can deliver, which is good revenues and good assets. Well, hopefully as interest rates, there's a prospect of interest rates peaking and maybe even falling next year, and that might change the situation currently or up to from your uh, flotation in May 2018. Your fact sheet shows that by the end of this June, you know, there's a total underlying return of 55, 50 and a half percent. 
but um, but over five years, the shares are up only 20%. So there's a, the shares need to do a lot of catching up. Yeah, as a, personally, as a big holder of those shares, I'm, I'm excited for that to happen. Okay, and so we're speaking just a couple of days before you're going to deliver your half-year results. Uh, I know you're not going to give me the, so the precise numbers or anything like that, but you know, broadly, what are you going to be telling uh, investing? We're going to be talking about how we performed in each of these individual markets, right? What, what, what we've seen in both GB, Ireland, Texas, Germany. Uh, talk about how our assets co are coming on stream, what's happening on those uh, in terms of the big construction projects and what we see in the future. Um, so for us, it's all around consistent delivery, right? I would hope our investors will not be surprised by uh, by, by our interim sale. will look at that and go, this is that, what Alex said, that people that the course was going to try and deliver. Okay, well, Alex, we look forward to seeing what they say. And in the meantime, thanks very much for uh, taking the time to explain what you're doing and and how the business is going. Oh, thank you very much.